Good morning. Welcome to this pre-recorded Palm Sunday worship service at Church of the Palms. We encourage you to create a worshipful space in your home. Silence your phones and light a candle to recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit, if you could. We pray that you will find this worship very meaningful to you. The bulletin is on our website if you would like to follow along. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Let us worship God.
wave our leafy branches today and hide them tomorrow? Will our hosannas melt into another course of death? Will we, like the builders of old, reject the stone that is meant to hold all things together? Is Jesus Christ truly the cornerstone of our lives? Let us admit the truth about ourselves by praying together our prayer of confession. Sovereign God, we confess that we are as fickle as the crowds in Jerusalem. When everything seems to be going well, we join the Hosanna chorus, but in times of weariness or rebellion, praise can turn to insult. We hide our faith when it is under attack and link ourselves with the scoffers. When there is opportunity to speak a good word for Jesus Christ, we are silent. Our church lifts an uncertain word before the world, for we, its members, have not been faithful. We need your forgiving love today, O God, more than ever. Hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. God answers us and offers salvation. In the mystery of God, one came among us, fully human yet fully divine, to lead us to the throne of grace. Though in the form of God, Jesus emptied himself, taking a slave's role in humble service to humanity. Take. This was for our sakes that we might bend our knees before God in humility and trust. We are saved in God's steadfast love. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. 
In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us now affirm our faith together by reciting the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let's take a moment to greet those around you and to share God's perfect peace on this festive Palm Sunday. Peace be with you. Welcome again to worship today. We are delighted that you have joined us from wherever you are. This service is obviously for Palm Sunday, which means that Holy Week and Easter are upon us. We have several ways for you to journey with Jesus all the way to the cross and to the empty tomb. The Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday services each begin at 6.30 this week right here in the sanctuary. You may register on our website to attend in person, or you can worship from home as these services will each be live streamed. We will be celebrating our risen Lord as the sun rises on Lido Beach. That Easter service begins at 6.30 a.m. and has always been a favorite for so many people. Bring your own chairs and a thermos of coffee so we can worship together in this beautiful service. We'll have three more Easter services back here on campus during our normal times of 9, 10, and 11. We will be requiring masks and still no singing for now, but the celebration will be outstanding. You won't want to miss it. We have increased the seating capacity to allow for more folks to worship on this high holy day. 
Registration is open on our website, and you will definitely want to pre-register to make sure that you have a seat. Of course, we plan to have a full Easter service pre-recorded for you to watch at home, or for those who come who have maybe don't have a registration and we have more people than we have safe seats, we will show that pre-recorded service over in the Palm Center. If you would like to contribute to the beauty of our worship spaces, Easter flower donations can be made on our website all the way until tomorrow, Monday, March 29th at 10 a.m. More and more of us are getting our vaccines, hallelujah. But it has been just brought to our attention this week that some folks still may be struggling a bit with how to register for the vaccine. So, if you would like to volunteer to help some people one-on-one -on -one to get that registration for that important vaccination, we would invite you to contact Susan Neisler. Or, if you are in need of some help to register for the vaccination, contact Susan Neisler and she will connect you with a volunteer or she herself will help you with that process. You can um, email Susan or you can just call the front office and they will connect you. We have a couple of new things beginning at the Palm Center that I want to lift up today. Trivia night is back after a long COVID break. So if you want to give your brain a little exercise and make some new friends, you can join us on Wednesday, this Wednesday, March 31st at 6 p.m. Please RSVP on our website. And second, we are happy to announce this new offering called Tai Chi. It begins April 7th. It's going to be on Wednesday mornings, Wednesdays from 2.30 to 3.30. Tai Chi is a form of exercise that anyone can do. It's been shown to reduce stress and anxiety while also helping to increase flexibility and balance. The cost is only $5 and it starts right after Easter. You have probably noticed all of the small groups that have been forming and meeting under Pastor Mingy's leadership. I have been lucky enough to be a part of two groups of amazing women. It has always been a dream of mine that when a small group gathers to meet for a season to learn together, that they would also choose an act of service that they could do together. This love in action would be as unique as the gifts and talents and heart of each group. Well, of course, COVID prevented us from gathering together for our study, let alone for a group service project. So our group came up with a different idea. Take a look at this video that Matt Liddell put together for us. Anita Lustre and I started a Tuesday night group for Bible study, and we've done different books throughout the years, and this happened to be a season when we were on the book Love Does. So when you're doing a Bible study or you're doing a book um, discussion, you're taking in and you're learning and you're growing, but I think if we don't do anything with it, then we're sort of doing a disservice. And so when we were doing Love Does, one of those chapters, Bob Goff, I think he called it Bible doing. He got tired of just Bible study. And so a group of people just went out and tried to do things that Jesus would do. Maybe we could each do our own random act of kindness and then we would share it with a group. 
right after I read the email, I said a little prayer, like, God, please give me an opportunity to do an act, a random act of kindness, because there's so many times you do things for people, but they're people you know. Within five minutes, I was checking my Facebook page. Something popped up, and it was a friend of my youngest son's. It was right when Etta happened, and so on Longboat Keys, several of the homes were flooded. And so she was making an appeal for boxes to pack up things and cleaning supplies and anything to help because she was going to take a bunch of stuff over to Longboat Key. Because I had empty boxes in my garage, but I had a roof leak earlier in the summer and I had a new garbage can that was in there I hadn't used yet and some garbage bags and uh, some cleaning supplies. It happened so fast. I knew that that had to be it. <laughs> when I watched Hurricane Et Etta, making its way northward through the Gulf, I got pretty nervous. I knew that a lot of the people who lived in those houses were older. I called everybody in the Homeowners Association and I asked, do you need any help in bringing in your patio furniture, your potted plants, or anything before the storm? The people that I knew who were pretty able-bodied, I also asked, would you be willing to help our neighbors bring things in? there were more people willing to help than people who needed help. You're not supposed to talk about things that you do for somebody else. I mean, it's not what you, why we do it. But in situations like that in a small group, I think it's very helpful. I think every time you hear someone share a story, that it just opens up more windows and opportunities that, oh, yeah, I could do that. I think it's just putting your love in action. I believe that this extra generosity in this time was even more poignant um, because there was so much need. We see it around us. When we're in these dark times, gosh, the things that we can do to shine the light of Christ, I think make all the difference in the world, even when it's just a small thing.
Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, our hearts are filled with joy and gratitude for your love and grace. On this Palm Sunday, we join the people of long ago shouting, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Lead us now on the road to Jerusalem, we pray. May we follow with faithfulness and joy, shouting Hosanna in the highest heaven through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Great God, help us to pave the way for your eternal realm with our prayer and praise, with our service and love, until the very stones cry out in joy at the coming of your new creation. As we celebrate and commemorate the triumphant entry of our King Jesus, we lift up those who are sick and need your healing. May they be touched by your healing power and be made well again. We pray for those who are grieving for loved ones. May they be comforted by your love. We pray for all those who are lonely and afraid. May they be secured in your presence. We pray for your mercy of safe travel for all those who will be traveling. We pray for your peace in this country, in the world you so love. May, we, may those who have heard and cruel hearts be touched by your love and grace so that they may turn into kind-hearted people. We pray for all victims, especially those killed in the mass shootings in Atlanta and Colorado. We pray for the leaders of all nations so that they may exercise love, peace, and justice over their own people. Especially, we lift up this day the people of Myanmar, Yemen, and Brazil. We pray for mission workers, healthcare workers, the military, and the humanitarian workers around the world. May they be protected and strengthened by you, we pray. Great God, we bring all our prayers, spoken and unspoken, to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now we have come to this moment of gratitude. James chapter 1, verse 17 reads, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. We are grateful to God for the good that we receive from him, the food we eat, the things we have, the time we spend, our whole lives. We are also grateful to God here at Church of the Palms because we get to help those who are in need, giving food to those who are hungry, near and far, spending our time to help others and supporting all kinds of mission, locally, nationally, and internationally. Now we get to continue to be grateful to God in our giving. As you have been seeing on the screen, there are four ways of giving. Now let us give generous, generously to the God who has been giving us generously. 
Let us pray. Lord God, the crowds wave to palm branches, honoring your presence. But today we honor you, Lord, with our lives and our offerings. Use these gifts as humble tokens of our love and a public display of adoration for our King of Kings. We pray this in his name. Amen. Good morning. My name is Miss Sarah. I'm here for the children's moment so the children can come close now. You may be wondering, just perhaps are wondering why I'm dressed this way. I don't normally dress this way. I borrowed this from Miss Carol. It's a cloak. And a cloak is kind of like a jacket. She has all the nicest things, Miss Carol. It's kind of fancy. And of course, you might also be wondering, why am I carrying these branches, or we call them fronds because they're from a palm tree. Well, I'll tell you why. I'm wearing these things, and I'm waving these things because today is Palm Sunday, as you've been hearing. And it's a day where we get to celebrate and remember when people celebrated 2,000 years ago when Jesus and his disciples were entering Jerusalem. And you may have heard the story, but I'm going to tell it to you again, just real briefly, okay? So Jesus and his disciples were heading to Jerusalem, and they were walking. And Jesus said, there's a donkey nearby. Will you go get it? So his disciples did that. They went, and they got the donkey, and his disciples took off their cloaks, their jackets, and they laid them on the donkey so that Jesus would have a comfortable place to sit. And then they headed into Jerusalem, and wouldn't you know it that there was a 
big crowd of people there waiting to welcome Jesus. They were so excited that he was coming to Jerusalem. And they spread their cloaks out on the ground, on the dirt. There wasn't even cement then. They would just lay their cloaks across the ground, and they would lay out palm fronds so that Jesus' way would be made smooth because they wanted to celebrate him like a king because they believed he was the Messiah, and they were so excited that he had come to visit them. Well, today we get to remember that, and, and we remember that they stood out in the streets and they sang, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Others followed behind them. They were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna in the highest. And they lined the streets, and it was a wonderful celebration. And just as they celebrated Jesus 2,000 years ago, we can celebrate Jesus today. And they greeted him as a king, and we can welcome Jesus as a king into our hearts. If we just open ourselves up to him, he will live with us and be with us always. Will you pray with me? Jesus, come into our lives and create in us new hearts. May we excitedly welcome you just as those that waited your arrival in Jerusalem did. Thank you for being here with us today. We praise you, Lord. Amen.
Well, today we conclude our wonderment around the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness. And today we look at the faithfulness asked of us through the law, the covenantal law that God gives through Moses and the prophets and Jesus himself. What does a faithful life look like in regards to what the Lord expects of us? And we ask this question taking into account the two passages in the Gospel of Matthew that I will uh, read. First, the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount regarding his understanding and relationship to the law. And then, of course, the great story of Palm Sunday and Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. First, then, from Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Jesus speaks and says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And then from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, the great palm Sunday story. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt tied with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them and sat on them. And the very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when he had entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name. Amen. Mr. Holland's Opus, a movie that came out about 25 years ago and may make it someday into the ranks of God in Hollywood, tells the story about Glenn Holland, a musician and composer who, in the effort to provide some financial stability for his family, reluctantly takes a job as a music teacher at a nearby high school, a temporary lull, he hopes, in his pursuit to become a famous composer. He ends up teaching, though, at this high school for 30 years. 
Mr. Holland's life is music. He plays it, he writes it, he performs it, he teaches it. And with every passing day, he sees that his life is being given over more and more to awakening the joy of music in his students. Overall, he meets with moderate success, and like most teachers, Mr. Holland has to contend with a wide spectrum of students, those who are there for the love of the subject, for the magic of music and the joy and beauty of it all, all the way over to those who are there for the bare minimum, whatever it takes to pass the class, those who raise their hand and ask, do we have to know this for the test? When you're a teacher, you know that you haven't quite broken through if the question is, do we have to know this for the test? Ironically, of course, in the movie, it turns out that Mr. Holland's only child is born deaf. He's not able to hear and participate in the core of his father's life. Mr. Holland's life is the sound of music and his son's life is void of such sound. And as a result, Mr. Holland pulls away from his son out of frustration and bitterness of not being able to share in the way that he wants to this most important part of his life. He half-heartedly learns sign language and makes little effort to create, be creative in his communication with his boy. The father and son grow further apart. And what Mr. Holland doesn't realize during it all is that he's the student who's being tested. His boy is the teacher demanding of him another language. But dad wants to get by with the minimum. But finally comes the moment when the music teacher father discovers that life is more than the minimum. Love is more than the minimum. So the old dog learns a new trick, learns himself a new language, and the two start doing life together. Do we have to know this for the test? I suppose to some degree or another, it is this question of what do we have to know for the test that has been at the heart of those living their lives in relationship with God? What does the Lord require of me? What's going to be on the test? Ever since God called Abraham and Sarah to the land of Canaan to begin a covenantal family, ever since God called Moses to deliver the people of Israel from Egypt and in the wilderness to receive the law, ever since the prophets began their prophetic preaching, the question that often gets asked from the back of the classroom is, how much of this do we have to know that's going to be on the test? In other words, of the 613 separate and distinct laws in the Old Testament, which one of them do we really have to know? Which one of them do I really have to get right? It was most certainly the debate in Jesus' day, the ongoing debate between the schools of legal scholars. Which part of the law do you have to have pinned down? It's what led the rich young ruler to come to Jesus and ask, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's going to be on the test, Jesus? You don't have to read too much between the lines of the Gospels to sense that Jesus' heart sinking a little bit lower and lower each time that question gets asked because he knows that they're missing the point. Jesus isn't teaching for the test. Jesus isn't schooling for the SATs. 
Jesus isn't interested in the bare minimum. Jesus is inviting them into the abundant life, not the minimum life. Jesus is seeking to fulfill the law, not scale down the law. And it is this fulfilling of the law that's the adventure. It is this fulfilling of the law that has Jesus up on top of the Mount of Olives. It is this fulfilling of the law that has Jesus leading the parade into Jerusalem. God is faithful in giving us the law, and now Jesus is faithful in showing us how to fulfill the law. And the fulfilling of the law, the righteousness that exceeds the scribes and Pharisees, has always been for Jesus this long obedience in the same direction. This long obedience in the same direction, to borrow a phrase that Eugene Peterson borrowed from Frederick Nietzsche, this long obedience in the same direction. And for Jesus, the long obedience in the same direction is the long obedience of love. Whatever direction Jesus takes, it's always in the direction of love. Whenever he's asked about the law, he weaves the conversation in the direction of love. When he saddles up his donkey on Palm Sunday, he is headed in the direction of love. And here's the thing, love knows no minimum. Love does not study just for the test. Love, like music, is a contagion that you either catch or don't catch. Jesus parades into the city because he can do no other. He is on his way to the cross because he can do no other. He is teaching a new language to God's children because he can do no other. Love knows no minimum. It makes me think of the story I read a while ago about Detective Skip Manane up in Poughkeepsie, New York. Detective Manane had gotten the call concerning a hit-and-run accident in the city. Jaime Tenorio was a Mexican migrant worker in the area who cut lawns on the side and sent the bulk of his money back to his poor family, eking out an existence in a poor Mexican village in the middle of nowhere. That night, Jaime was riding his bike through the streets of Poughkeepsie and was struck and killed by a hit-and-run driver. After concluding the investigation and apprehending the perpetrator, Detective Manane did, did what it's said to do in the police manual. He placed the obligatory phone, obligatory phone call to Jaime's widow in Mexico, who needed to be summoned to the only phone in the village in order to speak with him. Detective Manane informed her that her husband had been killed and asked if he should bury his body in the pauper's grave in Poughkeepsie like they do all the other migrant workers who die there. No, Mrs. Tornorio said. She wished his body to be sent back. Well, I'm so sorry, the detective said, but unless you can come up with the money, we can't do that. The widow begged and asked if there was anything the detective could do. It's not my job, he replied, and shortly after hung up the phone. But despite hanging up the phone, that woman kept speaking speaking to his mind and heart. She kept speaking to Detective Manane. He kept hearing that plea, those tears, her grief, the anguish that this man she loved, who was trying just to support his family, was going to be rolled into a pauper's grave a million miles away. It's not my job, he told her. Well, maybe it is. 
maybe love has no minimum. So Detective Manane went to the priest of the local Hispanic congregation and asked if they could pass a hat on Sunday morning to raise a little money so this poor widow and her four children could have the dignity of burying her, their husband and father in their own village. Well, that priest got talking to some other priests and the hat got passed at a bunch of churches and the word got out to the local paper which ran an article and all of a sudden envelopes full of money came from all over the area and before you know it, Detective Manane sitting at his desk at police headquarters staring at envelopes with money that totaled $22,000. Faced with such incredible love and generosity from total strangers who knew not the family they were helping, the officer simply wept. He personally escorted the body back to Mexico, delivered the money to the fatherless family. With it, they buried their husband and father, and with the money left over, bought a tiny house and clothes and a chance at a new start. And that's not all. The town of Poughkeepsie sent a team to the village and learned of their needs and pledged to become a sister city with them to help all the villagers get on their feet. All because one detective didn't stick to the manual, didn't study just for the test, didn't accept the minimum. Laura Von Stratton, an advertising executive, was fast on her way to somewhere in New York City when she saw a man lying in the snow and another man leaning over him giving him CPR. She and a group of concerned folks gathered around, none of them knowing how to administer CPR, standing helpless watching the only man who knew what he was doing. The EMT unit arrived and took over, took the man to the hospital where he recovered. Laura went on her way but she didn't go on her way because the old way was now unacceptable. She went on a different way. It was not acceptable to her that she and the dozens of others didn't know what to do, so she tried to find a way to learn how to do CPR and found it quite difficult to find a place where it was convenient to do it, and she said that was not acceptable, so she began to call around and eventually got hold of a, the mayor's office and talked to the right people who then talked to the right people, and they worked together to partner with a sports gym chain that opened up 28 of its branches for members of the New York Fire Department to come and offer CPR classes to folks all around the city, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people now know how to save a life because young woman said, well, one young woman said this was not acceptable. Love knows no minimum. That's what Pam Hahn discovered several years ago when she hated seeing what she was seeing, that too many kids, too many kids in beautiful Sarasota were going to school with no supplies, holes in their shoes, and no food in their tummies. This is not acceptable, she said. So she got her church to do a thing called Day of Hope, and they managed to pull together doctors and nurses and hairdressers and photographers and school supplies and backpacks and gift cards for clothes, and pretty soon a couple hundred kids were in better shape to start school. But a couple hundred kids in Sarasota County is a drop in the bucket, right? So more churches got invited and more churches got involved like ours, and more children now have shoes and notebooks and backpacks, and it's still unacceptable, right? Because the world is not right when even one child doesn't have what she needs to learn, to grow, to be what God wishes her to be. If 
family and our church discover the challenge that people with mental health diagnoses have in making their way back into productive living, and they said this is unacceptable, so they started the academy at at Glengarry down on 41, close to Bee Ridge, a community that helps those who have struggled with mental illness to acquire job training and life skills and to find placement for employment in town. And, and people now are discovering a new chapter for their lives because someone said that the status quo is unacceptable. Love knows no minimum. Do we have to know this for the test? Wrong question. Because on this Palm Sunday, Jesus is on the move. He is on the move. He is saddling up his donkey and making his way into the city because he is busy fulfilling the law. He is about the long obedience of love. He's making his way to the next town where there are poor migrants and grieving widows and children with holes in their shoes and people with mental illness and men lying in the snow fighting for their lives. He is on the move, and maybe at the end of it all, there's a cross. But that's okay, right? Crosses mean you're doing something right, right? You are fulfilling the law. You're headed in the right direction. You've gotten the only question on the test that matters correct. You've been faithful to the voice that's been speaking in your head because love has no minimum. I would rather be ashes than dust, wrote Jack London, author of The Call of the Wild. I would rather be ashes than dust. I would rather that my spark should burn out in a brilliant blaze than it should be stifled by dry rot. I would rather be a superb meteor, every atom of me in a magnificent glow than a sleepy and permanent planet. The function of man is to live, not to exist. I shall not waste my days trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. Time to use your time. Time to look and see what needs to be done. Time to say that this is unacceptable. Time to saddle up your donkey. Time to head into the city because Jesus is on the move. He is fulfilling the law and he's waving to us to that long and abundant obedience of love to which he invites us.
may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.